You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 103. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there. My name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. Welcome to the third and final part of my interview with my personal voice acting mentor, the amazing Richard Horvitz. Richard has worked on many famous animated shows, including Angry Beavers, Invader Zim, and The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Richard is also a teacher of voice acting and offers both classes and private coaching through his website at richardhorvitz.com. In the last episode, Richard shared with us his incredibly useful five-step process for helping an actor play pretend more fully. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I recommend you go back and check it out. We reference those five steps quite often in our discussion. In this episode, I get to reveal to you the famous animated character from the late 60s, early 70s that Richard and I both dearly love. It's fascinating to me that Richard and I are such different types of actors, and yet we both have an amazing appreciation for the same character. Richard also talks about when it's appropriate for a voice actor to say no to auditioning for certain projects. We wrap up our conversation with Richard's final advice to aspiring voice actors, as well as information on how to contact Richard in order to take classes with him. I'm honored to present you the final part of my interview with my voice acting mentor. And now, the feature segment. I know I've heard you say that you knew from a very young age that you wanted to be a performer. But is it possible for you to articulate now, looking back on it, what inspired you to yes. become an actor? Yes, and that's also part of the self-exploration work that you do with, with the five steps in particular, the I am, is that I came from a family of six. I was the last born, and the, the generational span between myself and my oldest sister is 23 years. And wow. it's the same parents. My parents have been married for 72 years. Mm -hmm. So we age, there's a 23-year gap between my oldest sister and myself. I know at the time I wanted to be a performer because I wanted attention. Mm -hmm. And there's still a big part of me that wants attention, which I think we all do. Mm -hmm. The difference is, is that I can authentically say, yeah, I want attention. That's why I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I would have defended to the hilt that, no, I was an actor and I, you know, I was more of a performer. For me at the time, I, I grew up loving three shows, uh, four shows. Flip Wilson, your viewers, our listeners may not remember Flip Wilson. Tom Jones, or else we called it Tom Jones from England. Uh, Get Smart. Most of my early Daggett stuff is an homage to Don Adams, which is a way of saying I was trying to imitate Don Adams because I loved Don Adams' delivery. Yeah. And finally, Speed Racer. So I still, to this day, on my iPod, my top 10 most recently played and most 
awesomely played, most regularly played Speed Racer theme song. Fascinating. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Uh, I still love it. it if, if I need to be, if I'm in a foul mood or I'm depressed, I put on Speed Racer and... Okay, so this is fascinating to me because I don't know if people can tell just listening to the podcast, but you and I are pretty different animals when yes. it comes to being actors, right? Yes. I think Is it safe to say that you would consider yourself an extrovert? Um, I would say that yes, I'm definitely an extrovert. It's interesting how many introverts are attracted to voiceover. Right. Um, because uh, as an extrovert, as you know, you, you like to get attention, and I liked to get uh, attention too. But I felt like we had very different sensibilities. All of the shows that you reference are shows that I'm aware of, but were never my favorite shows. Right? right? You you have this fantastic sort of manic comedic quality mm-hmm. that was never a part of my style. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. My style was always far more serious and dramatic. Um, and and sort of sci-fi and fantasy based, right. and and not necessarily get smart or vaudevillian, uh-huh. which is what you really are so amazing at. And yet we have this touchstone of Speed Racer. Uh-huh. That was my <laughs> first favorite cartoon was Speed Racer. Yeah. So this fascinates me because from my perspective, I see Speed Racer as this sort of uh, early DNA of more serious animated storytelling. Yeah. So to you, what is it about Speed Racer that you love so much? He was just cool. Speed won everything. Um, Speed just looked cool. His arms, the way they drew his forearms, they were muscular and sinewy. And that he made that scarf look masculine. Um, I, loved, I loved pretending that every single car I had was the Mach 5. Right. The funny thing is, I think today that there's so many outdated things on the Mach 5. You wouldn't need homing pigeons anymore. Yeah. Um, that's really the only outdated thing is the homing pigeons. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't know if you knew this, but at the Peterson Auto Museum, they actually have a Mach 5. Oh, yeah. They okay. actually have one. Yeah. And I went there. I went there over and over again just to look at it. It's basically a Corvette chassis. Modified. Body. Yeah. Yeah. But it was to the T. Yeah. And everything I got was the Mach 5 to me. I just loved it. In fact, I love that show so much. I, I, when people say, what are you going to be when you grow up? I would always say a race car driver. Yeah. Um, I never got there, but, um, I don't know. I loved speed. I just love the style of it. Uh-huh. I love the fact that now when you look back at it, you go, wow, there was, it was violent. The people died. Yeah. People exploded. We don't show any of that thing, uh, those things on TV shows with kids today. Yeah. I'm not talking live action. It's certainly more sure. it's full of that. Uh, look at Game of Thrones, the very first scene in the first episode. <laughs> Throwing kids out windows and yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, but that show to me, what was it for you? Was it the style? Was it the... It, it was... It, it was dark, too. I liked that. It, it was... It was. There was a... There was a seriousness to it. Mm-hmm. There was a technical aspect, right? The car itself and yeah. the fact that it, had, it was so sophisticated. I'd never seen such a sophisticated technology in an animated show before because the animated shows that I grew up watching were Tom and Jerry and Woody Woodpecker. Right. I hated those, by the way. Oh, okay. I hated those. I love Popeye, but it drove me nuts that Tom and Jerry didn't talk. Ah, okay. You wanted them to speak. I think so because I spent a lot of time alone as a child. Uh. And so I wanted... I wanted a lot of stimulation. I wanted a lot of audio stimulation because it made me feel a little less alone. Gotcha. Which I think is what I 
was fun. Gotcha. I'd never seen a show that took adventure seriously. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of American shows like that, like Johnny Johnny, Johnny Quest. Quest. Yeah. Um, but it was very, and and then later Super Friends and things. Right. But it was very rare for an American show to take adventure that seriously yeah. and to have such sophisticated technology and for it to be a kid because yeah. Johnny Quest was always sort of. He was have his adventures as a little kid, but it was really his father and, and race who yeah. were I don't know having a fantastic relationship. Yeah, and and the, Rex Racer. But, and, and seriously, that Rex Racer, yeah. and nobody knew it was Racer X. Yeah. I love that. It's the same issue I had with. Um, I even as a child, I was smart enough to think. Uh, Wait a minute. Nobody knows that that's Racer X, Rex Racer, Racer X, Rex Racer, Rex Racer. And when they say it really fast, you get Racer X. <laughs> you get Racer X, yeah. Um, but I had the problem, like on Power Rangers, of which I, I voiced Alpha 5. Yeah. Um, I had a problem with that show to this day. It's like, why didn't they just start as the... Uh, the big, the big, the big um, uh, robot. Robot, right? Whatever. It's a robot. It's why do like, they start? People small. are going to kill me. Yeah. Why did they? Why is it the same thing? There's an escalation. Why was it always they would wear themselves out fighting putties that would just disappear? Yeah. Then it would start as the smaller villain, and then they would start as then it would jo- grow. Rita would make her monster grow. It was the same thing every, every single time. episode. Why didn't they just start all together? <laughs> Can we just cut to the chase? Get cut to the chase. Because I know that if the world's in trouble, I want to, I want six irresponsible teenagers to be fighting for us, right? <laughs> So, but I, I think that's, I, I think it's so fabulous because I think oftentimes people listen to uh, you speaking or me speaking and, and think that they have to be something other than what they are. That's oh, right. I have to act like Richard. You know, and that's exactly. something I, I hear you talk and I go, oh, I have to be so vaudevillian or I have to be so fascinated mm-hmm. with sketch comedy. And it turns out, no, you don't. Right. You just have to be yourself. And the fact that right. we have this wonderful touchstone <laughs> of Speed Racer. Speed Racer. And yet the two of our, our styles mm-hmm. of acting and the kinds of characters that we audition for and the way our voices work, like it's hard to imagine them being more radically different. Right. But at the core is this same notion, the appreciation of entering the secondary reality of playing pretend um, all of the the mindset is similar even though us as animals and performers are so different from each other knowing what you bring to the party is the key element meaning I love Warner Brothers cartoons but I know that more than likely I will not play Superman just because of my voice I know that it doesn't mean that I can't play Superman sure it may not book the job, like I said, but this is how I would play. But there's a part of you that goes, oh, okay, I can do Superman. Or how come I'm not reading for that? Or how come I'm not Batman? How come I'm, how come my Joker, because Joker actually would be in my wheelhouse, but I am even over the top as my Joker compared to, say, Mark Hamill's or, or uh, Kevin Michael Richardson's or, you know, even John DiMaggio's. Mm-hmm. It's a different beast. If I, I think I saw something online one time. I think it was like... Uh, voice something was some voice chasers or something was like mm-hmm. what tells you thing and I, I i read their synopsis of my characters hmm. and i thought it was very astute and i didn't take offense at all it said if the character is maniacal over the top hammy and something chances are it's voiced by richard horvitz and i thought yep that's perfect. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing um, um, chaos right now on Skylanders. Right. And because 
I know that type of character so well. Playing in that world is very easy for me. Yeah. You know, voiceover is the is the one place in this business you really want to be typecast in. Yeah. So to, to you know to bring it back around to what you were saying, I would love to play the characters that you can play with that dulcet, deep, resonant sound. Yeah. And so, is there a part of me that goes, "Boy, I wish I could do that"? Yes, yeah, sometimes because it, it would give me more um, opportunities to play the dads, the superheroes and all those other things that, mm. you know, that most guys with a nice voice like yours could play. A lot more of the anime characters are much more in, in your world. Mm. Uh, I'm concho May, you know, I mean, that's the kind of things I do. Or I, 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 I you know, those things. Yeah. There's a place for those characters. Mm-hmm. Are they usually the leads? Not really, mm. uh, unless it's like Invader Zim. But that's part of me that goes, yeah, but the thing I do is mine. I own that. Yeah, because so, I can look at it and go, I'm not a Looney Tunes guy. Right. The chances of me playing Porky or Daffy or any of these things, yeah. I could, but I'm never going to, that's, you know, I'm going to be far better at Superman than Bob Bergen is, and Bob Bergen's going right. to be much better at Porky at than Porky, I am. Exactly. Well, there's like, this is what I say, I, I also teach this, is that I, you have the right to say no to anything. Actors feel like they have to take every single opportunity that they can. Oh, I got to do that. I got to do that. I say no to one thing all the time. There's a very lucrative part of this business called voice matching. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't stand voice matching. I'll tell you why. Because one, my want becomes sounding like the person who's already created something I didn't. I like to say I created that. I created Invader Zim. I created Daggett. Maybe not the characters, obviously the creators did, but the personalities are mine. Um, and so I like to, I like that. So I don't do the voice matches because it becomes stressful for me. Mm-hmm. And if it's not fun, which is step three, mm-hmm. I don't like to do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like when the Looney Tunes come up or when the Flintstones or the, all those things, the Hanna-Barbera stuff comes up or the Looney Tunes stuff, come, stuff comes up, I often just pass. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to read for it because I know that I'm gonna, my want is going to want to sound like them. The reason I learned this is because when they were doing Ice Age, the original one, they were auditioning for the temp tracks for John Leguizamo. Yeah. So I went in and I did my hidden sloth. Yeah. And you would have thought that I was the foremost John Leguizamo impersonator because I booked the job instantly and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great, you're wonderful. I go to do the session and the day I get there, I'm doing it, and every other thing was like, well, that's not how John does it. Well, that's not how John does it. No, that's not how John does it. It was really a painful thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were very nice, but it was, it was stressful for me. Yeah. And so when I came back, I said to my agents, I said, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. It's, it, it become, the fun of it is all gone for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, about not having to do everything. Actors say, like, when you go on, a, you know, you go on an audition... And the producers go, oh my God, that was great, awesome. Do you have a take two? Actors always go, yes, I do. And then because I have my time, I want to show them I'm so versatile and I, I want to take as much time with them so they get to know me as I can. And then do a take two and it's exactly the same as take one. Mm-hmm. And now what you're left with is like, ah, 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 oh, that was kind of like take one. Uh, okay, it's like telling the same joke twice. Yeah, And then... They, you leave and they're like, mm, let's see who's next. Actors, as we were saying, knowing what we bring to the party, they go in there and say, I'm, are you happy with that take? Yeah, I'm happy with that take. I don't need to do a second take. Yeah. That's how I want to play. That's how it is. 
to show the difference between us, I do those uh, voice matching gigs. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and which is awesome. For me, it's it it uh, it, it isn't. Uh, I don't have the same. Uh, mindset towards it because there are certain characters that I do enjoy seeing how close can I get mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to that thing and it's usually because for me it's it's not I'm not trying to match the actor the actor is like an accent and I'm trying to go after the character right. usually there's a they're, they're playing a character that I really like like right. I, I voice match Orlando Bloom a lot mm-hmm. and so Legolas in Lord of the Rings this has always been a character that's yes. been very fond of fond I've been very fond of mm-hmm. so it's perfectly I, I don't have any problem I get to play Legolas and you want him to sound like Orlando Bloom? Not a problem. You know, Excellent. So the, yeah. the, to, just to show to my listeners that every actor is different. And right. we're all going to have different things. Right. For me, it's, it's part of my self-esteem thing. It's yeah. like making sure that I'm always... Nothing is more important than that you feel good. People say, is that, a, is that a selfish statement? No. Because if I feel good, it's going to be fun. I'm going to feel good. You're going to have fun. We're all going to have fun. I have uh, insecurity or... Not even insecurity, just it's stressful to go, oh, eh, eh. And I don't ever want to feel that way. You know, people yeah. say, I don't watch my own stuff. Sure. There are people who say that, you know, uh, working in ADR, dubbing anime to picture is just too stressful. It, right. It, 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 it doesn't work for them. Right. And I completely understand that. Sure, because, they, because then their want becomes about making sure they get their, their lines in before the, the lips stop flapping. Yeah. And that's what it becomes for them. Their want becomes that. You who are facile at it and, and me who's done it for a long time, we know how to, how to do it and still get our characterization in there. Yeah, and there may be someone who, ha- who has facility at doing it, but still doesn't like it. Right. Right? It just, it's mm-hmm. not appealing. They, they find it sort of artistically bereft or bankrupt yeah. in a way, and they go, so I can do that. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not satisfied. There's, there's something that's, uh, that I'm going to be so much more successful and so much more inspired working on this other thing right. than trying to force myself to do something that is, not, is a bad fit for me. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, that, that started happening with, with dubbing for me in a, in, a, in a big part. It was one of the reasons I took off from it because it was just becoming a lot of work. A lot of these, as you know, a lot of these are like cookie cutters. They got, we got 100 episodes we got to get through. Let's do 10 today. And, you know, it's like, but then at the other side of the coin, I got to work on three or four Miyazaki films. And that wasn't the same experience. That was, you know, on a big soundstage at Disney where they let you do the characterization. And luckily they gave you that space to get those characterizations in there. I worked on, uh, I worked on Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. I worked on Pompoco. I worked on this last one, the up in the air. What's the, I mean, um, not up in the air. Uh, What's that one called? It was his last one. Uh, oh, The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises, right. Yes. I always have to remember fart. That's how I remember that. Um, the Wind Rises. And that was a blast. That was a blast. Good. Yeah. Good. So I always like to sort of uh, wrap up the interviews by uh, saying this is your opportunity to tell people um, what advice would you give to the aspiring voice actor. I mean, you've already given us so much wonderful insight into the process and everything else. But many times, what'll happen is you give them this gold and they go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But what do I do? Or yeah, right. or what, what? Yeah, but what? What, sh- what should I do? Or what, what do I need to to accomplish in order to right. do this? So, this I see this especially with you know voice actors just starting out. They're so hungry for success that they ignore the process. They ignore the journey. Um, it's what I was speaking about before. It's the, it's the little things that add up to. And so 
my advice is instead of making your want to be famous, instead of making your want to justify yourself by booking jobs. To be successful. To be successful. Right. Enjoy where you are right now. I don't think you need to spend your life in classes. You know, a lot of people become what I call professional students. I think it's smart to take classes with specific people. But don't keep going from class to class to class thinking that you're doing it. It's one of the reasons why I left Diana Castle after five years was that, okay, it was time to leave the nest and start doing what I do. The other piece of advice is stop waiting to arrive. It's like when you tell someone, if you wait till you're ready to have children, you'll never have children. It's the same thing with voiceover. You got to go out there and do it. You just got to take all the opportunities that you can that you enjoy. Uh, Dubbing is a great place to start. I did dubbing. That's how I got into the voiceover. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I did commercials, but as far as animation is concerned, I went to work and did as much dubbing as I could, as much ADR as I could, because I got to practice what I wanted to do. Uh, but if I could just really impart anything, don't go after fame and success. Be out to express, not impress. Do you think that that is usually the most common stumbling block when you're working with your students? Yes. I know so many people who it's all about doing a role in, say, anime just to get to a convention. There's so many, and you know that. Yeah. I finally went to a convention. I went to, I've been in a convention. It's like, okay, but what about the work? What about the story? The other thing is, is for me, and I recommend this for everyone that's going to work, it never starts with what voice you're going to do. It's, we never start with the voice. We start with the story. In my world, nothing is more important than the story. The problems that I have in my secondary reality, the character in the story, far outweigh the problems I have in my primary reality. Trust that. Trust that that story will carry you and the voice will do the work of the spirit. Most of the time, specifically in domestic animation, we'll do a voice and then we'll go for the callback and they'll say, don't do a voice, just do your own voice. Or we'll be hired to do a job that we didn't even read for because the casting director brought us in. And they'll just say, oh, okay, let's do one. Okay, great. And we'll do the story. And then they'll say, well, what do you have in mind for the voice? Uh, well, how about this? Well, make him a little older. Make him a little uh, Southern. Make him British. Make him this. Make him that. We do it on the fly. But if you don't know your story, if you don't know why you're speaking, you'll never get to that place where they just go, let's make him a little more this and that. So if your listeners want to write down one piece of advice, they can write down the, 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 the quote that I made up, the little rhyme. When you know why you say what you say, then you're informed and it allows you to play. That's pretty fantastic. Thank you. Um, of those five steps, mm-hmm. usually where do your students tend, is there a common one that your students yes. tend to stumble over? It depends on where they are in their voiceover career because I get a lot of working actors who suddenly aren't working and they think, I better go brush up. What is it I'm not doing? It's not that they're not doing something. It's that step five is way out of whack, which is specificity. They've stopped being specific because, oh, I've done this in my sleep a million times. Oh, this is my teen girl character. Oh, this is my old man character. And so what they give up is specificity. Gotcha. 
you know, if you're an on-camera actor, like I'll go, go back to Al Pacino because I'm obsessed with him lately because The Godfather Weekend was on AMC and I love The Godfather. <laughs> you watch his evolution. He did Godfather and he does Dog Day Afternoon. He didn't just stop doing his work. Yeah. He didn't stop finding the story. You shouldn't do that in voiceover just because, oh, I know what kind of voice they're looking for here. Yeah, I'll just do that voice. I'll just it's do that voice. Past. I've used that voice for others. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm the first to say I've been guilty of that. A lot of my characters, they bring me in because they want invaders in. Yeah. But we want to call it something else. Yeah. I'll change it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, when I, I get called on to many times play the dark brooding character. Mm-hmm. And while the tonality of my voice may not change much... I have to know the psychological motivation of that character because they're brooding for different reasons. Right. And if I don't know the reason why and they're brooding... And you can find those reasons within the story. Yes. Things that you say or that are said to you. Yes. Or there's maybe something in the stage direction. Yeah. And usually I can figure it out. I can go, oh, he's upset about a girl. I'm upset. Or, or I'm, yeah, I'm upset about uh, my parents. I'm upset about uh, the political situation. There's something that I'm brooding about. Thank you right. for correcting me. It's all there's right. something. There's something that I'm brooding about. Right. And unless I know what that is. Exactly. It's the same. You're saying exactly what I say. You can't act brooding. You can only know what makes you brood. Right. Because if I act brooding... All you're going to get is the same read every, all the time. All the specificity goes right out the window. That's right. There's no specificity. Yeah. If you're a beginning voiceover actor, the step that's usually out of whack is the I am because you feel like, uh, am I even... Should I even be here? Yeah. Am I good enough? And I always say this to people, well, I don't have any acting experience. And my answer is always this. Um, how long have you been a human being? Well, if you've been a human being, as I say to people all the time, I'll do it with you. Just an example, I, if, if you had an example of your favorite actor, who would you say is your favorite actor? Who is my favorite actor? Wow. Or just pick one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I've always been very impressed with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, perfect yeah. example. Is Meryl Streep more talented than Crispin? Well, my first knee-jerk response is, yeah. Which is most people. Yeah. But then I'll say this to you. Have you laughed in your life? Yes. Have you cried in your life? Yes. Have you been loving Giving, nurturing. You've been human. So that's what we ask ourselves as actors, to express those things. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people who are born more facile at entering the secondary reality. Mm -hmm. But you, because you're both human beings, she's just more practiced at entering those secondary realities and accessing those emotions. I believe talent can be taught. Mm -hmm. But if you have a strong sense of self... It won't matter what Meryl Streep is doing. So many people think their job is to compete or beat out other actors. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Because I know that I have to get in touch with my sadness here. What makes me sad? What makes me angry? And so the answer is, is that some people are just more practiced at entering secondary realities. Yeah. So, for those who want to practice entering secondary realities, yes. they should come take class with you. Yeah, you know, I do, I do many workshops uh, here in Los Angeles about, I guess I do about three or four a year. They're six-week workshops, and I coach privately from my home studio, and I also coach via Skype. I have a lot of students um, from other countries that I coach um, via Skype. In any case, if you're interested in studying with me, uh, either in classes or privately, you can send an email to Richard Horvitz, H-O-R-V-I-T-Z, classes, plural, C-L-A-S-S-E-S, at gmail.com. 
and you can address all your inquiries to Michelle. Okay, so Michelle's Michelle... my partner on my classwork. Gotcha, my classwork. Michelle. Yeah. Michelle Dumphy, but you can just you'll just say, "Hey, Michelle, I heard Richard on on Crispin's podcast, and I'm interested in Great. upcoming whatever." And I will make sure to put that email and that information in the blog post associated with the podcast. Great, and then they can contact you if they want right. to for classes. They can write to me directly on that website. They gotcha. don't have to make it to Michelle. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Great. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Richard. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. You, you've been so generous uh, with your time and thank with you. your insights on things. My pleasure. Uh, and I'm sure my listeners really appreciate it. And certainly I appreciate it and would like to thank you publicly. Oh, please. Because uh, you were, when I first came to LA, you were one of the, the very first people that I was directed towards well, to I'm help flattered. me with my acting. And You did great. And well, it's amazing. Look at where you are now. And we've had this conversation. And I said to you, trust it. Yeah. Trust it. Enjoy the process. And it didn't take you long at all. Yeah. So I, I would like to express my gratitude towards you, Richard. Thank you. For being so wonderful. Oh, and, thank you. And anyone who wants to uh, study with Richard, I would highly recommend it. Thank you, um, Because you're, you're one of the, the real deals. Thank you, sir. Um, and it's not just uh, a matter of technique. It's it's a mindset and dare I say a lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? It's an you attitude. Dare. You dare. You're absolutely right. It is a lifestyle. It's it's a, it's called the journeyman's lifestyle. Yeah. To continue working for years is is always the goal. Yeah. You know that's for me the, the goal. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank sure. you. You bet. All right. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. After spending three extra long episodes with Richard on this podcast. I hope you can feel just how passionate he is, both about the craft of acting and helping others learn how to develop and grow as artists. I feel truly blessed to have found Richard so early in my voice acting career. I use his insights on a daily basis. In fact, just doing this interview with Richard helped me remember some areas in my own voice acting that I need to spend some more time focusing on. I also hope our conversation has inspired you to treat acting with the respect it deserves. Too often people pursue acting for the fame or the attention. Both Richard and I can attest to the fact that fame and attention are often fleeting, and neither of them will truly be enough to sustain your soul in the long run. The secret to true success in voice acting is to find what you sincerely love about it and focus on that. Whether you love the stories, or the characters, or working with your collaborators, or something else about the process that is artistically fulfilling, make sure you are honestly fascinated with acting, and not just the results or reactions you might get. If you are truly in love with the process, and taking every opportunity to practice playing pretend to the best of your ability, then the results will take care of themselves. If you've enjoyed this interview with Richard as much as I have, I would so appreciate it if you would head over to the iTunes store, look up this podcast, and leave me a nice review. You can rate the podcast using the iTunes star system, and you can also add your own comments as well. Just open up iTunes on your computer, go to the iTunes store, search for Voice Acting Mastery, and I'll pop up instantly. Then you can click on Write a Review to do just that. I'd like to reach as many people as possible and every positive comment you leave helps other aspiring voice actors find this information. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. 
To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.